This is the Day Zero Update for April 28th, 2019. I'm Philippe Odenalfa. I'm Patrick Methlin. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Chris Ologi. So, uh, yeah, we had a big release this week. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Mortal Kombat 11 came out. Days Gone came out. Uh, one of these games got a little bit more fanfare than the other. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, That's putting it lightly. Yeah. Especially uh, from us. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about both of them, because uh, Chris has been playing Days Gone, so that's going to be uh, interesting to get his take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I, I don't know if... Well, I know that Pat and I are probably old enough to remember the days of Mortal Monday. Uh, yep. yep. And this week kind of had that same vibe for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but it just... It just felt right. And, yep. Uh, they released a game that, for all intents and purposes, uh, just hones the Mortal Kombat reboot formula to its natural conclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and adds in a lot of stuff that we'll talk about later that isn't so great. So Yeah. And yeah. Uh, unfortunately, NetherRealm is not innocent in this. No. Yeah, so well, we'll get to that. Uh, but before we do, uh, you touched on this uh, on Friday, Brandon, I think it was. Yeah, Friday night on Let's Weekend, you talked about this uh, Kickstarter for a particularly interesting game. Yeah, so um, obviously Kickstarter still occasionally gets, uh, you know, video game projects to get funded. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of the really famous ones like, you know, uh, for example, uh, Bloodstained, for example. Right. Shenmue 3. Mm-hmm. Shenmue 3, um, Star Citizen, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and those games, I think, are like amongst like in the top 20 of like most funded uh, game projects in Kickstarter's history. Yeah. Well, they had another one that joined them this week. Uh, here's what makes it shall we say, both funny and unique and also kind of historic as well because of what I think the effect that this is going to actually have on the industry as a whole. Hmm. Uh, So basically a porno game just became one of the most funded game projects in Kickstarter history this week. (laughs) In fact, I'm looking at the Kickstarter right now and as we are talking from a... $129,170 $129,170 goal, which, uh, I mean, originally this game was fun- was being, is being funded in pounds, so it was 100,000 pounds. It is now at £1,323,330.40, which in dollars, that's about $1,709,553. Well, it's more than $353. I think they have enough to make the game. Oh, nope, changed it. 379. <laughs> Somebody just backed it. There you go. Okay, so, so there's a lot to unpack here. How does an Aerogay um, raise that kind of scratch? Because Well, okay, so the first thing you need to know is that this is... Okay, you know what? Just fuck it. Um, I'm not sure if the actual... Uh, the um, game's Kickstarter is linked in the article I provided, but I'm going to go ahead and just prov- put the uh, link for it here in the chat. And if we want to add it into the show notes later, we will. 
Okay. If not, just if you're listening to this and you want to know, it's just Kickstarter subverse. It'll probably be the first thing you see pop up. Hmm. But um, the reason is because uh, the guys behind this game are a group known as Studio Fo. That's S T U D I O Studio F O W Fo. And these guys became famous because they are the ones who basically turned uh, source filmmaker porn into, I don't want to say high art necessarily, but they are the ones that gave it a kind of length and quality that up to that point hadn't existed. So if you're ever online and you ever see, let's just say you're going on Pornhub or something because you are um uh and you'll see the source filmmaker porn that's like usually like maybe half an hour long has a plot has voice acting a soundtrack music uh six to one it's probably going to be from these guys uh they became famous from a film they made called laura in trouble which was like the first of these types of movies it became like a big deal and then they made a movie called Coliseum of Lust, which is a wow porno film that actually got them a cease and desist from Blizzard. Well, that's how you know it was effective. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and they also created what's called the Kunoichi Trilogy, which is basically uh, it's the ninja chicks from Dead or Alive. Hmm. And it's basically yeah, uh, kind of crossed over with the type of stuff you'd get from Legend of the Overfiend. Hmm. Um, so, you know, they've had a very successful Patreon that they've been doing for, I think, a couple of years now, and they finally got to a point where they think, okay, I think we're at the point now where we can actually make a game, and part of the reason is, you know, these guys already have really good animation chops, but also because of the actual gameplay that they're showing on this. So the game isn't like some just a plain, you know, Japanese arrow gay visual novel type deal. Uh, it's pretty much fully animated. Um, most of the gameplay is divided between uh, space, which is like a twin stick shooter type deal in combat. Uh, and then once that part's done, it then turns into, well, XCOM, basically. Hmm. Or XCOM or Shadowrun. Okay, strategy RPG. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, and on top of that, uh, you know, there's all the different, uh, they literally call them space waifus in the game. <laughs> uh, that have, like, their own storylines that you pick up and collect, for lack of a better word, to be your be in your uh to be in your uh crew i guess and they also become like playable characters to fight in the strategy rpg section there's also like a bunch of uh alien uh beasts and alien creatures that you can also recruit to also act as soldiers um and uh there's a bunch of other characters they haven't revealed yet that are going to be showing up um and the fr uh, also apparently according to the the kickstarter uh they actually were kicked out of gdc when they tried to show off this game oh to be a fly on the wall yeah um 
And uh, I guess it's a weird combination of the publicity, uh, the fact that we haven't really had a really high-quality porno game on Steam, even though Steam is allowing that type of material now. Yeah. Uh, with these kinds of animation chops and design with it. Uh, and you combine all that and you get one of the top 20 most funded game projects in the history of Kickstarter. Well, I'll be damned. Oh, it just went up to 380. Yeah. Well, I think they had, they definitely had their audience already established. Yeah. Uh, so it, just tapping into a fraction of that, probably, they were probably figuring, yeah, we get 100,000, probably have enough. I, I think maybe they weren't expecting the kind of success that they ended up with. Yeah. In fact, that one that one million thing was like a because like if you actually look at like the uh, milestones list they have here. Yeah. Um. They actually like the last like milestone they had that was before the one million was only six hundred fifty thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. And that was so that they could hire various uh, doujinshi artists to make comics to go along with it. Yeah. Um, Your stretch uh, goals are no place to be self-deprecating. Yeah. And the one million was like a was like one they kind of was like uh, they I don't actually think they expected to get that because they literally call it the war chest. <laughs> um. It's like, look, if you can get this, it'll give us more funds to be able to perfect this. It'll give us more time to figure it out. Give it a le- it, They call it like an extra layer of wax on the car, more mm-hmm. programmers, more animators, and one hell of a safety net to bring all of our depraved content to life in the highest possible quality. Mm. I'd say that just about covers all bases. Yeah, and they, you know, they're still getting money through this. Like, well, like I said, it just got like another five dollars as we were, as I was saying that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's well, it's it like this is just to get the game made. Uh, well, technically, a lot of the game is already made. Yeah. Um, because the first chapter is supposed to come out in the middle of June. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if you if you go to Kickstarter without. Uh, the bulk of the game already being in place, you're an idiot. Yeah, mm-hmm. or at least the you know enough to show that yeah you're being business. Um, mm-hmm. But you know then then the first chapter is going to come out. It's going to apparently going to be on Steam as was, mm-hmm. as they've said. So it's got a Steam page. It's on there. Yeah, so it's going to sell. Uh, yeah, and that will be more money for them. It, and now here, and it's going to be like. I'm genuinely because like here's so here's the question. Obviously, I don't want to take too much time because we still haven't even gotten into what we're doing this week. But <laughs> what effect do you think this is going to have on the industry as a whole? Because one of the top twenty funded games in Kickstarter history—that is nothing to sneeze at. No, and, um, and we're also talking about something with this level of quality. Well, that and, was what I was coming to because. Honestly, these guys have the the source filmmaker chops that you're making it sound like. Mm-hmm. Um, parlaying that into uh, source game development probably isn't that difficult from there. So they could really be onto something. And honestly, this is a situation that I, I've known was going to come to a head with Steam in particular ever since um, Hatred. Yeah. So, 
you know, this is just the storytelling itself. And um, clearly this is a studio that has the chops to do it. Yeah. Um, so Not the yeah. one that I would have actually bet on if you'd put a gun to my head and told me to name one. But um, just being informed about the Japanese side of that industry, I... I would have guessed that there was another company that would have gotten in on that, but um, in a way, it's almost better that it's these guys. Yeah, and um, yeah, this is this is gonna call <laughs> obviously because this is a porno game. It's aimed at a certain audience. Yeah. Um, but man, because uh, you may have noticed here, I kind of had to link to a relatively sort of B tier gaming. Yeah. <laughs> To do this because, for one thing, I didn't want to have to link to any Gamergate gar- garbage. Oh, God, um, I can imagine that's prevalent. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, so far, as far as I know, the only, like, major place that has talked about this is PC Gamer. Mm-hmm. And let's just say that the person who wrote this, who wrote that, I don't think they really did much of a job really um oh, it was kind of like that putz that rock paper shotgun sent to final fantasy 14 fan festival yeah once like once this game does come out and it like i said it's pretty close and just about a month and a half i think um what the what the mainstream gaming press is going to react to uh, I, I think the reaction is going to be just um, a whole lot of outrage. Um, there will be a lot of that. Uh, but, you know, that's going to subside. I, I think the bigger picture, if we look you know, forward a couple of years, is that uh, nobody starts fearing that AO rating anymore. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and uh, for for an industry to mature... Um, the adult content really, it, it needs to not be stigmatized anymore. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, cause like consider the games that are coming out in the next couple of years, we got cyberpunk 2077 and that game is going to have a shit ton of mature content in it. Yeah. Especially if that, you know, that demo we saw is any, is any case, <laughs> uh, you know, we've also got Mortal Kombat, which just came out recently. Um, you know, we got Dragon Age that's going to be coming out, coming out of the pipeline in a few, in a couple of years, I guess. Mm-hmm. And consider all of that, and you know, all of those games specifically skirt the line, like they get just as close up mm-hmm. to the AO rating as they can without actually crossing over into it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now we got a game that does it with abandon and literally has already made, like before the game even came out, made over a million pounds. So, yeah, I can't wait until this actually comes out and we see what the effect is going to be because it's going to. This is a situation that had to come to a head as soon as Hatred got on Steam. Yeah, as soon as this happened, it was only a matter of time. Yeah. And. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, uh, but but I'll, I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Um, I because 
I really want to see what what's going to happen. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what the effect is going to be. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I guess with that, we'll go into what we've been doing. Uh, for me, well, Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, that's pretty much been my only gaming this week. Uh, I'll save the my you know thoughts on it until we get to the, the Mortal Kombat 11 discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just I'll throw over to you, Pat. Anything other than Mortal Kombat 11 that you've been doing? <laughs> Um, yeah, I've been playing quite a bit of Stormblood. I'm actually playing it right now. Um, that's been getting still the bulk of my time since I started a third character that I've been invested in. And basically that came out of the, uh, split of the North American data centers. Mm -hmm. And there are three of them now where there were just two before. And I, I figured it would be good to have a character on at least two of them. Mm Mm-hmm. So I look around for um, for a good place to put a character, and lo and behold, I already have a character that I started pre-Heaven's Ward um, on Exodus server and already did the annoying early game stuff before you get to your first dungeon. Mm. So all I had to do was um, pick up that character and... Uh, switch jobs because I really didn't want to level up a third Dragoon at this point. (laughs) And so I'm leveling this one as a rogue slash ninja and uh, basically got back to work. So that's not what I'm doing right now. Right now I'm over on my Gilgamesh character and getting some end game content done, basically grinding some level 70 gear. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I've got two jobs at level 70 now on that character. And that was the one I started a couple months ago. Um, but that's been that's been going pretty well. Other than that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm still a little under the weather. Um, I picked up a PlayStation VR uh, Friday night just before the Let's Weekend podcast. And so I've been just exploring... VR features from games that from just the various PlayStation four games that I've accumulated over the years. Um, I haven't gone into like Wipeout yet because that's probably not the best game to play in VR when you're pickled on cold medicine, (laughs) but that that's definitely coming. I'm definitely going to be putting some time into GT sport with its VR features. And yeah, I definitely the... recommend checking out those demo discs they have on there. Because those have a bunch of uh, games on there, good variety, and will get you a good way to test out some stuff without having to nice. necessarily put a ton of money into it just yet. Now, are these downloadable demo discs? Or... Yeah, there's okay. three of them. Uh, yeah, just check what's on them. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's too much crossover, but I think the third one's mostly like greatest hits hmm. of some okay. of the bigger games. And also just look for demos. There's some yeah. that just have regular demos. Okay, I will definitely give that a look. I know, like Astrobot uh, definitely does. The main the main item on my uh, to buy list now is Polybius because anything that Jeff Minter is attached to, you know, even without a PlayStation VR, that was going to be a must own for me sooner or later. And this is just going to grease the wheels. <laughs> and then, um, in addition to that, I've been playing Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. Um. I've pretty much already said my piece on this game. Uh, the foundation is there for a really great 
three-on-three tag fighter, but <coughs> it definitely needs a lot more in the way of content, even mm-hmm. even considering what's already in the pipeline. So hopefully it gets that, yeah, because the the foundation that they have in place is terrific. And it's not overwhelming like, say, a Marvel vs. Capcom 2 can be. They they really figured out a good way to pace a, um, a three-on-three tag fighter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's been my week. All right. Well, me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, take a wild guess. <laughs> well, I know one of them, and the other one you've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, too. So. Yeah, but uh, Mortal Kombat 11, uh, I actually finished the story mode last night. Mm-hmm. Um... Damn, but that story mode goes in places I kind of did not expect it to go. <laughs> uh, awesome thing, places. Yeah, awesome places. And the game the game actually has, I think, like four different endings, hmm. depending on how your last fight with Chronica goes. Okay. Wait, really? Yeah. Or at least that's what I think. Um, I've been told that. Hmm. Um, because the, the way that fight works is... Okay, so have you fought her in, like, just the classic towers yet? Yeah. Basically yeah. a one-round okay. fight where, like, you get her life down to a certain threshold, and then she spawns another, you know, one of her minions. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, basically you get her life down, and then she fucks off and decides to let one of her minions come in and do the fighting for her, and then, fortunately, they're not as difficult to kill. But, anyway, what happens is that that whole, you know, that whole, um sequence where you know she like takes you back in time and then forward in time and all that shit mm-hmm. uh basically in the story mode it's actually a two-round fight oh yeah she still does that that uh that uh summoning bullshit too <laughs> um <laughs> but um basically i'm guessing is that it's a two-round fight but she still does like the thing where she'll like you know, take you back and forward in time. Mm. Uh, but I'm guessing what happens is that if you manage to f- finish her in the first round, uh, maybe she does or doesn't or whatever. Because I'm not sure, but basically, depending on what how you do in those two rounds, like if you win the first two rounds yourself or you lose the first round, but then win the second round or whatever, I'm guessing it changes what the ending is. Mm. But... um yeah, it's 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 an amazing game. Yeah. And once again, I want to reiterate uh because I I've said this online and I've said this on Let's Weekend. Those people who were complaining about lack of skin are full of it and yeah. probably have not played the damn game. <laughs> um because or a few other things I could name. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, yeah, there's plenty of skin to be found. Um, and all I gotta ask is, like, did these people not play fucking Mortal Kombat 10? Because <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of skin in that one either. Nope. Um, I swear, there's a part of the gaming world that specifically seeks out shit to be angry about. Yeah, and a lot of it just stems from put from... Projecting their own personal bullshit onto there the There is game. a segment of the gaming universe that cannot stand the fact that they're not the center of the gaming universe anymore. Yeah. yeah. The whole industry has moved on and left them behind, and they can't stand it. Yeah. And so it makes them think that they're somehow 
persecuted. Mm-hmm. And then there's another segment that um, now I hate censorship as much as anybody, mm-hmm. but there's a segment of it that of the community that is so anti-censorship that they've kind of lost all meaning of the word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's bad enough if something gets censored, but heaven help you if you actually change of your own volition. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's kind of what I've been encountering. I don't know about you guys. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but other than that, uh, Tales of Asperia and, uh, you know that thing where uh, all tales gangs where the holy shit factor kicks in? Yeah, it uh, it kicks in. Um, and it's very actually kind of low-key, too. Because in these types of games, usually the big reveal is like this big world-shattering reveal. Because uh, the way that Tales games works is they always tend to pick out one part of the JRPG experience to sort of deconstruct. Mm-hmm. Um in Vesperia, they deconstruct the concept of player-based or player-centered morality. Hmm. And basically, the holy shit factor is that, you know, instead of, like, two of the bad guys in this game who, you know, you expect to have, like, this big, massive boss fight against, um, instead, the main dude, like, seeks them out at night, and he just straight-up kills them. Like it's it's not even ceremonial. He just mm-hmm. he finds them in the middle of the night, and Merks they them. always yeah they're always like expecting him to like you know call the law or you know try and talk reason into them, but that's not what happens. Um, and once they realize that he is not intent on doing this the legal way. Uh, they basically freak the fuck out <laughs> and realize that they are totally fucked um i'm gonna have to go back to this game at some point so like the first guy he does this to uh he straight up just slices him with his sword and dumps his body into the river (laughs) um and the second guy uh he meets him like in a desert town and uh the dude uh falls into a sand dune and he drowns in sand Womp womp. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a pretty it's <laughs> it's awesome. It's a good game. I like it, but holy shit! Yeah, well, that's two bosses you don't have to fight anymore. So. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, that's what I'm playing. It, so. it is consistent with what I know about this character too. Yeah, which makes me love it even more. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's what I'm playing. So, Chris, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I've been playing Days Gone for the past couple days, mm-hmm. and uh, so far it's not been too bad. Mm. Uh, it seems like it's completely fine. Mm. Uh, it's not on the same tier as like Horizon Zero Dawn or Spider-Man or God of War or the Uncharted games, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, both in terms of the the tightness of the presentation, but also kind of polish. Um, so yeah, like a lot of the early stuff, you get into... Uh, missions and sequences where they go into cutscenes and it just fades to a black screen for a couple seconds before it loads the cutscene or whatever. Mm. And it's like that sort of stuff just really sticks out. It's like, yeah, I remember when uh, games used to do this a lot. Now 
a lot of them have figured out how to do the transition uh, pretty smoothly and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's a uh, there's a lot of weird stuff. Like I found the door animation is broken. Opening the door animation, mm-hmm. like you go to amp- open it, your character like warps right in front of the door, and the door just goes through them. Whoops. Uh, and I've had a moment where I was carrying a, a gas can. I uh, went to go open a door, and uh, and so I was going in, so the door was going in, and it just took the gas can and stuck it between the wall and the door. It's like real weird shit like that. Where it was like, this is really weird hmm. uh, kind of thing. Like uh, all I had to do was just go inside and shut the door uh, and go through that weird animation again, uh, then pick it up, but. There's like just some real weird stuff that's like I wasn't expecting this out of a big game uh like this. Yeah. But uh outside of stuff like that, uh it's actually been a good bit of fun. Uh so it is what Days Gone is is kind of a a survival uh open world zombie game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh where kind of a big part of it is you going around getting uh resources uh, you know, picking up uh, plants, uh, scavenging for rags and uh, other sort of materials to craft uh, health items. Uh, I also get uh, some cedar saplings so I can make my boats for my crossbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I get. I think I can. I just learned the uh, recipe for making nail melee weapons. So just stick a bunch of nails in a bat Mm. or a fence post or some other stuff like that, Uh, which is uh, nice. And uh, yeah, there's it's like that's a big part. But the inventory, like how much you can hold of any of those specific items is pretty small. So you're kind of forced to kind of leave things uh, around, which I guess for later times when you might return to those areas is nice. So you're not just being a fallout uh, hoarder mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, it also kind of forces you to not uh, kind of hoard stuff as much. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like refuse to heal yourself or refuse to use uh, some of your other items. Though I've been not using my throwable items, my like Molotov cocktails and grenades and such. That stuff I haven't been using too much because I've been trying to play it. It's very much a stealth game as well. And so, like, on your mini-map, you have icons for your visibility and your sound, like how much sound you're making. Yeah. And so you're kind of uh, encouraged to try to sneak around as much as you can, uh, which means, like, the the typical open-world thing of, you know, finding uh, tall bushes to get into to kind of hide in plain sight, uh, a lot of stuff like that, which uh, works out pretty well. Mm. Um and yeah, like trying to sneak around and get uh, behind enemies or uh, the freakers is what they call the zombies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which kind of fits because they kind of fidget a lot. Mm. Uh, like they're on drugs. Mm. Uh, oh, but, so that's what's ca- going to cause the apocalypse. A really bad batch of meth. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's actually that. I think it's like an infestation yeah. kind of thing mm. uh, that kills these people and causes them to turn into zombies. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, so I haven't seen too much of the Horde stuff just yet. Uh, I just did a story mission where you run into Nero, uh, which is the uh, like the government 
uh, emergency response organization mm. uh, that is sort of like what you learn is that they're like tracking at least one of these hordes, like trying to figure out like like scientifically like what makes them tick and all that sort of stuff, yeah. uh, and track them. And so like I know that that's going to eventually lead to a point where I have to actually run into them. Mm. But uh, a lot of the game has these uh, kind of like a Far Cry like outposts where there's these uh, marauders or I think some of the groups are called rippers. Uh, it's like there's a whole aspect of like biker culture in this, mm-hmm. uh, which so far has not really been too much of a big part of it. Uh, like your character is Deacon St. John. Mm. who has like your like denim uh, vest jacket kind of thing, tattoos, uh, weird rings, uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, your buddy is named Boozer, who has your like skinhead uh, uh, tattoos all over his head kind of thing. Mm. Uh, we're just like, eh, this guy's kind of lame. But they're, go- they're both not right. Like the story, the whole story is not really what you're playing this for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of just the, the way you're kind of just exploring the environments. Uh, you know, doing the survival stuff, and I think they've said they've got some updates coming in June. When I'll add like a survival difficulty, yeah. uh, that should really hone in on that part of it, uh, as well as uh, I think some like challenge stuff for like combat, biking, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and a comparison I've seen a lot of people making that does make some sense is it's kind of like the the Mad Max game that came out a few years ago, yeah, uh, where you kind of had your vehicle that you're kind of uh, customizing. Uh, to strengthen it or just make it look cooler and all that sort of stuff. And you can kind of do that with your bike here, mm. uh, where uh, when you work with the camps, uh, you can uh, – there are these, like, neutral camps that you kind of work with, uh, do uh, do some jobs for and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you can uh, go over the mechanic and do some upgrades, uh, both visually and uh, for actual uh, benefits. So, like – I can get a bigger gas can so I can have more fuel uh, to go farther without having to refuel. And there's one where I can get like a a stasher where I can stash stuff in there. Mm -hmm. I don't think guns just yet. I keep getting to like my gun locker and it's talking about like stored weapons. And I'm like, I'd like to be able to store this rifle in here and like, you know, hoard some of this stuff so I can use it later and pull it out. But yeah, like right now I have, I have a crossbow, which I think was uh, a pre-order weapon, because uh, it's like a level four cro- uh, crossbow uh, versus having like a level three. I think is the other one I have that it gives you at the start, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a, a good stealth weapon. Uh, what else? Uh, then there's like a, a pistol that I have, and there's a lot of like uh, scavenging, like uh, getting into cars, trunks. Uh, that have some uh, items in there. Like uh, cop cars all have ammo in there, so if you're getting low on ammo, you definitely want to uh, get into a cop car if you can. Uh, you can mm-hmm. also get through their uh, their hoods because uh, that is where you might be able to get like a muffler, mm. which you can stash on the the guns. Though so after the one that mm. what's that? No, I'm thinking of like I don't think that's where mufflers usually are in cars, but okay. Yeah, uh, no, uh, uh, th- that falls under. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. 
Yeah, they're not being too realistic with that sort of thing. Mm. But uh, you also get scrap in there, which scrap is what you use to repair uh, your bike uh, and your weapons once you get the skill upgrades for that. There's kind of a whole RPG aspect to it mm. uh, where you're kind of getting XP for taking down enemies and all that. Yeah. Uh, and as you get upgrades, you can build up trees, which all I'm doing right now is survival stuff because that's the thing that I need the most. Mm. So like I've got... It's got like five tiers i think of them you gotta get two of the three to get open up the next tier so i've got things like it shows me plants nearby that i can scavenge uh like the one i just got was uh i make less uh noise Mm. when moving around which is good for the stealthing uh and yeah there's uh there's a lot there and like i think eventually i want to get to the combat stuff because there's one that lets you get more ammo Hold more ammo for your weapons, hmm. uh, which would be nice because my crossbow can only hold 10 bolts. Hmm. And when I'm crafting bolts, I can only make five at a time. And so I don't want to use, don't want to craft it until I'm at five or below hmm. of that. Uh, though I did get an upgrade with the, the survival stuff where uh, there's a chance I can get the, boat, uh, get the bolt back hmm. from an enemy I've killed. Uh, so yeah, there's. There's a good bit of stuff there that's uh, pretty neat. I just I do like taking out the camps because you can use your binoculars to mark enemies, and I'll tell you like you've got 15 people in this camp. You can sort of go around and uh, find them, uh, mark them, and just keep track of them, uh, and like start picking them off one by one. Uh, and the AI isn't great enough to like notice like oh there's a dead body here somebody must be here. They just kind of move on mm. for whatever reason. Well, uh, zombies, so. Yeah. Uh, well, these are the regular people, oh, yeah. marauders, yeah. Uh, in the camps. Where uh, there was once I happened upon a dude that was just hanging out, uh, uh, like leaning up against this pole, uh, and I didn't notice him. I sort of freaked him out, and he ran away. He didn't really tell anybody. I was like, he saw somebody. He just went to where this guy that was working on this car, uh, but I had shot him. So his body was just sitting next to it, and he just started working on the car. I was like, really? So I went over and just, uh, it's like, all right, dink, right in the head. Uh, you're dead. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that was like real weird. Some of the AI is not great. Uh, but that just might be normal difficulty stuff. I would hope that if you go on the harder, uh, when that survival difficulty is out there, uh, that should be a pretty uh, important part of that. Um, but yeah, I'm in a... You start, it's in Oregon, so there's a lot of uh, forest areas. Yeah. Uh, and one of the cool things I do like is that some of the missions, uh, you just kind of uh, go in there and just start. No, it doesn't do any like intro cutscenes or anything like that. Uh, so there have been times where I'm just following the, the GPS, and before I realized that I just biked into a camp that I'm supposed to take out, it's like, whoops, I just alerted everybody and I had to run off, <laughs> uh, like get out of their sight so they. Uh, forget anything happened uh, sort of thing um, and yeah there's uh, before I got to the the Marauder camp I was talking about uh, I ran, happened upon some uh, like drifters that were just hanging out setting up a trap uh, which involved a sniper that was sitting up in a tree uh, and had like a real cool like dynamic, dynamic kind of combat sequence where I had to quickly get into this like brush area uh then guys are kind of walking through and i was just trying to 
take him out with my melee uh, weapon, then had the sniper uh, taking shots at me uh, when I stood up, and then so I could get a beat on where he was and take him out with the, my gun. Hmm. Uh, some of that stuff, and some of the camps you can actually like lead freakers into them, and that'll distract the the people in there and potentially take out a couple of them. Uh, so you can kind of get uh, around uh, doing that all yourself uh, by just kind of using uh, these zombies uh, to do that for you. Uh, but there's also like traps that are some cool things. Uh, I went to one of the camps and they had uh, like a classic kind of bear trap uh, sitting around. They also had like strings uh, attached to cans so that when they when you hit them, you, they would drop and make a lot of noise. That sort of stuff. Uh, I managed to avoid those, but uh, the bear traps, I ended up taking, uh, picking up and setting them somewhere and using a rock, like a Far Cry-like rock, to alert somebody to come over. And they got stuck in it mm. uh, and eventually died because they couldn't get out of it, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny when you see the, the, the marker above their head saying you're following them. Uh, it's also their health. Yeah. It's like a diamond, so you're watching like this red diamond just uh, slowly uh, drip out, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's real weird. Um, but yeah, uh, I've also gotten stuck in one bear trap because I was just being dumb and not paying attention. <laughs> uh, it didn't take out too much of my damn uh, my health. But uh, yeah, it's it's got a lot of stuff there. Nothing really new in terms of ideas, just kind of putting together in a package that works pretty well. Uh, but yeah, if you're looking for like new... Innovation, like highly polished, like games that are uh, you kind of associate with a lot of like Sony's best stuff. It's not there, but I think it's a game that people that can get beyond that are going to be able to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially if they get the chance to kind of keep working on it and uh, maybe fix some things and uh, add some new stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a game, it definitely has a lot of potential to get better over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of hope they do get that chance. Mm-hmm. I think initially it seems like it's doing pretty well sales-wise, yeah. uh, which is good. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of Days Gone. I kind of want to keep playing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's and one of the things I do really like is uh, the map. Uh, it doesn't do like a normal thing where you have like the whole map available to you at front. It's kind of a lot of fog of war in there. And kind of the only parts you immediately drive through is what shows up on the map. Mm. So you kind of are uh, going around uh, like, okay, I've only seen this much of the map. Though you get to some of the camps uh, and they have a map in them that'll reveal mm-hmm. like a little bit of the surrounding areas uh, that'll help you out. And uh, yeah, there's like there's infected nests where you have to kind of take out these uh, nests where they. Uh, hibernate, I guess, at night or during the day. Uh, it's like one of those kind of zombies where they they kind of don't come out much during the day, but do at night when they're more dangerous and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because you can't see as well at nighttime. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot there to it. Uh, I definitely am going to check it out some more and see how it goes. But yeah, it's not a game that's going to be super flashy or uh, I doubt it's going to win any Game of the Year awards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something that's got some nice things there. Okay. Um, 
Let's see what else I've been playing. I play more Rocket League. Uh, we're on week two of this uh, Battle Pass, so I'm doing some of the quests there that they have for uh, to get more of the unlockable stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing too much all that extraordinary about the the challenges here. It's a lot of like just win five online matches, uh, get some points in the extra modes, which is like the the hockey or the basketball or the drop shot modes. That they have there. Uh, a couple are involve wearing specific toppers or antennas, which uh, I hope I do have those. Because mm. uh, I would hate. I think they're. I think they're the ones that are generic ones that you uh, get randomly. Uh, so that shouldn't be too bad to get. Uh, but I would hate them to require you to get specific uh, toppers or whatever that's. You have to hope for a drop or get out of a loot crate or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of uh, basic stuff. So I've mm. uh, been playing some more of that. Uh, and yeah, that's been pretty good. Um, I've been playing more SteamWorld Quest. Uh, really enjoying that. I finished up the third chapter. And uh, yeah, that's just that's just been a lot of fun. I do like the... The combat system, I've gotten some nice new cards. And I just got to the fourth chapter where uh, they start. the merchant starts selling uh, weapons, mm. which adds a new chain finisher uh, to it. So when you do chains, uh, that's using three of the same person's cards in one turn. You get a fourth attack or buff or whatever sort of uh, extra thing onto it. That weapon changes that to something else. Mm. Uh so I managed to get one of those as well as get a new card for, I think, Galeo that uh, – I forget what it does. But, uh, yeah, the that game's still really good. People should definitely check it out if you're into kind of classic JRPG-style games, uh, but with a twist of the card-based system that is fairly simple but has a lot of depth and strategy to it that uh, just makes it a lot of fun to play. Um, also been playing Picross S3, which is the other game this week that I got, and that is a uh, that is a uh, a lot more Picross. Uh, the new thing here is uh, a color mode, which is sort of a color based uh, uh, sort of Picross. It's just thirty uh, puzzles for that, hmm. but uh, the weird thing is how it controls. Since you aren't just doing black and white uh, blocks. Uh, you kind of they offer like four different kind of controls, which I've opted for the direct one, which makes it so Y, X, and A are different colors, and if there's a fourth color in the puzzle, it'll do the R shoulder button for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can directly note which one's which, and sort of in contrast to the way you do the other puzzles, the the regular Picross puzzles, uh, there's no guarantees of uh, blank spots unless it's denoting two numbers of the same color are next to each other. That's where you get the gaps, but when it has like let's say it's red, white, and blue. Like if you have red one, white one, and blue one, those could all be right next to each other. Uh, no real gaps needed, but it's kind of a lot of uh, it's a lot of management of the numbers, trying to figure out, okay, this number's big, so there's probably you know a safe space here that I can guarantee is what's there uh, for this, and trying to figure out, okay, this color is not. Uh, there's no more of this color in the cross, the crossing column. So you can kind of figure out puzzles that way, 
it's a real different kind of strategy, more complex strategy. So it it's a it's a pretty cool twist on the formula. Uh, not one that's really new because there are a lot of like third party uh, Picross games that have been all about color as a mechanic for this. So they're just kind of doing their own spin on that hmm. uh, with their own uh, puzzles. And I hope they do a lot more of this in the in the next few Picross S games hmm. on the Switch. And uh, yeah, that's uh, I think that one's ten bucks. Uh, I think it's the most expensive of the the Picross games, but it has uh, a whole new set of puzzles hmm. uh, for the color mode. But it also has the the clip Picross uh, stuff, the Mega Picross, and the regular Picross. Tons of puzzles there, so I'm definitely I got a bunch more puzzles to do hmm. uh, when I got some downtime. Uh, but yeah, that's that's been a great game and. Uh, just, Jesus Christ, this past week was fucking busy with games. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like everybody decided, hey, we're putting all our games out this week. The same week as Avengers Endgame and the NFL Draft and the, the new Game of Thrones episodes. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah. A lot of stuff vying for your attention yeah. this week. Uh, it's, like, next week is like, there's not much. <laughs> the next week is like, why didn't, why didn't one of you come out next week? Yeah. Uh, especially there's still like Box Boy and Box Girl that I wanted to get, but I just didn't have the money for it. Because hmm. I got three other games. Yeah. Uh, I think that's only 10 bucks. So it's not even that much. Yeah. So I'll probably get it in the next couple weeks. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's been pretty much it. Just kind of busy, busy, busy. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so we'll get into our new stories before we get to the MK discussion. Well, this kind of taps on it, but we got three kind of stories here that... Uh, kind of relate to each other. Uh, and it's all about crunch. Um, yeah. So some de- developers have uh, come out and said that uh, at NetherRealm Studios, during the development of uh, MK9, MK10, and Injustice 2, uh, they were some really bad crunch, like 80 200-hour work weeks. Um, what's particularly interesting about the this particular article is that Everybody who's making these allegations put their names to them. Oh wow! Ooh. Yes, are we talking about like lower level employees or higher level? Uh, mostly high. Well, there's a, there's a mix here. There's software engineers. There's QA guys. There's uh, uh, there's like three different people here that I'm that I'm seeing. Mm, uh, okay. Yeah, and they all put their names to it. Uh, so what's what's we know that crunch is it's basically employee abuse at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't think anybody here would deny that. No, uh, it's, you, it's essentially an admission that you don't respect your employers' employees' lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one guy, who says, and you look uh, at Nether Realm in particular; they have such a short turnaround between a game announcing and a game coming down. Yeah. Yeah, it made you wonder, well, how could they possibly pull that, that off? Well, this is... Now we know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, and and part, part of it is also, the, the more that I'm looking at stuff like, you know, Injustice 2 and all of the, like, the items and uh, same thing with Mortal Kombat 11, um, you know, people have to spend time making that crap. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, you know, if they weren't so concerned about coming up with items for people to collect and spend premium currency on uh that would have been a lot less development time yeah if you ask me mm. 
Yeah, and if they didn't focus so much on having like cutting edge graphics mm. uh, in the way that they do, especially for like the fatalities and all that. Yeah. It's like if they took it back even just like one step, I wonder how much easier that would have been on people. Mm. Uh, not trying to, you know, especially going on at four platforms at once. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to have the best looking game on all four platforms. Yeah. Uh, well, with with Unreal Engine, that's you know, it's basically develop once and bake it out to whatever platform you're going to. But yeah. That part of that, but you still need to make the assets. <laughs> yeah. And make it so that it looks nicer on each of the the platforms. Yeah. Because like the Switch version is the one that's the step down. Yeah, it's a step down, uh, and it's a different studio that did it. Yeah. Uh, actually, that one, the Switch version isn't necess- isn't. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain because the Switch version is not strictly a port of the other versions. It's actually kind of its own thing, uh, which is, I mean, it has all the same content, has all the same modes, same gameplay and stuff. Uh, yeah. but the Switch version and the other versions were developed separately. Uh, so that's kind of how they managed to get the Switch version to run as well as it does. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you should... Uh, Probably put Shiver Interactive on your uh, uh, on your watch list because uh, these guys apparently know what they're doing with the Switch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't really excuse the uh, uh, shitty conditions over at Another Realm, um, especially when uh, you know all your employees here working massive hours and the bosses just fuck off at five. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I know. Like. Dave flying over at Iron Galaxy like forces everybody to go home at like five or six. Yeah, like he doesn't let anybody stay if he can help it. Yeah, uh, and he grew up in the Midway era of arcade and console development. Yeah, mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, which was um, interesting <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Mm. Um. So, how yeah. often do they put games out? Every two years? Another round? Uh, yeah, what? about that. Two every three, I would say. Okay. Mm. It seems like they maybe need to split up teams so that they can work on them a little bit longer and not have to, like, essentially kill their people to get them out every two years. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like more of a. A WB thing than another realm thing necessarily, but yeah, well, yeah. If you look at like just everybody skips the credits, but if you actually let those run, they go for fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so there's a lot of people that are working on these games. Uh, this is this is the whole AAA part just starting to eat itself. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, especially when they how many towers do they have in this game? Uh, basically a limited, uh, un- unlimited amount of them. Why do we need unlimited amounts? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think the whole thing is that, isn't the, the crypt essentially randomized for each person? So you don't, can't have like an FAQ of like, here's where this is and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, which is a real shitty thing to do. <laughs> it's yeah. like, why do you do that to yourselves? And you can also re-roll it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And especially when you realize that, you know, that thing keeps track of where your coordinates are. Mm. Yeah. So it doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you tried to fit like a Minecraft into this game, like, okay, here's your seed. And so here's your location at this seed, but you can't control the seed. Mm. Exactly. And it's like, this just seems like you're making more work for yourselves. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just for the sake of potentially being able to get money out of people. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's mean, like, are... these games are, you know, some of the best in the, the genre for single-player content without necessarily having to put money into it for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily need to go to the degree they've been for the last couple games yeah. for trying to squeeze money out of you. Yeah. Especially when they put out regular DLC as well. Yeah. yeah. Season pass and yeah. know, there's going to be six characters and a bunch of other crap coming soon. Well, apparently a data miner found placeholders for up to 19 DLC characters. Yeah. But six is season one, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Presumably they're... Well, that character select screen is going to get pretty damn huge then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's uh, that's where Netherrealm is at right now. I don't... Uh, I, I hope this is not an Ed Boon thing. To be Same here. I, I would hate to lay this at his feet. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. Um, it sounds more like a WB thing. Mm. I'm sure we've not heard the end of this story be, just given the public nature of everyone who has mm-hmm. um, come forward about it. So well, we'll see what happens, but it's definitely not a good look. Yeah, mm. definitely not. Uh, which leads us to another game that's been really successful, which is Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, apparently its success has led to a whole bunch of crunch. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Shopping. Mainly because you know how the game has been iterating really fast mm-hmm. since its launch. Like, there's a reason why because they yeah. force their people to work crazy hours, mm-hmm. uh, even to the degree of like not having weekends. Yeah. And I believe one guy uh, essentially uh, took a weekend off anyway, so he could you know have some sanity yeah. and got fired for it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, it's like that's no good. And. Mm-hmm. There have been consequences of this sort of thing because now anybody else that is working on Battle Royale games, uh, fans get super upset, Like especially with like Apex Legends. Like, why aren't you putting out new stuff? Where's our new stuff? Why isn't there uh, you know, rapid changes to this gameplay? And it's like, it's because they're not killing their people to fucking get this shit out. Exactly. Yeah. And they're uh, paying for it too, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and uh, it's... It's a, it's a thing that really, at some point, it would be great if uh, the people that buy and support these games had a say and like, hey, you know what? We don't need you to, uh, you know, have like weekly massive changes to this game. We don't need you to be, you know, completely changing what this game is every you know couple months. It doesn't need to be that uh, aggressive because people are still playing that game. Yeah, uh, and they're not. It's not like it's slowing down. No. Uh, it doesn't have to be like, oh, Apex Legends is out, so we need to add a way to respawn people in and do this, this, and this. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, make Fortnite, because that's what those people want. If yeah. they want Apex Legends, then go play that. If they want PUBG, then go play that. Yeah. You know, it's not... You don't have to make your game the her game that has everything in it. Yeah. Because yeah. it just leads to uh, it being a bloated fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you try to satisfy everyone, you will inevitably satisfy no one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. You, you just also they need to just stop paying their damn CEOs so damn much. Like, 
Yeah. Maybe let some of that money, you know, sort of wash downwards a little bit yeah. because I mean, it's it, part of the reason this shit is happening is because, you know, they got to find some way to pay for those massive goddamn salaries. And <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm still I, I'm still on board with the Nintendo approach to uh, management at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, remember when uh, it, Nintendo wasn't doing too well what uh, Iwata and Miyamoto did? Yep. Yeah, they uh, took a pay cut. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I can't speak for Iwata there, but I know Miyamoto's share was not that uh, huge to begin with because he's never actually made more than a manager's salary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's not really an executive. No. Mm-hmm. In well, the traditional not. sense. Yeah. But... Yeah, he was always kind of like the lead developer of like their overarching stuff. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Like he's not really been like CEO of any kind. Mm. He's a guy who just puts on a sports jacket every once in a while when they have a press conference <laughs> or yeah. event or whatever. Yeah, so uh that's that's basically the the crunch report as it were. Mhm. Uh so I I'm going to tip my hat to uh Respawn for this one. Because uh, they seem to be handling it right, uh, I I suspect long term. I guess we're going actually, to the next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say I, I suspect long term they're probably going to end up coming out on on top. Uh, yeah, because they'll have a workforce yeah. that uh, you know it still wants to actually work. Yeah, just saying. Mm. Yeah, so. yeah. So I guess uh, they basically put out their updates uh, or their. They put out a post about with an update for Apex Legends, like what their plan is for the future. Uh, basically, saying you know they're uh, excited about how many people have been playing it uh, in the first month, like 50 million players, uh, and kind of how crazy that is for a new IP from a, a small team mm-hmm. who's kind of doing this for their first time, uh, and sort of saying you know. Uh, rapid growth is a wonderful thing to achieve, and we're thrilled with the response we've received since launch. However, however, that growth comes with a, some clear challenges, and we've hit a few bumps along the way, including missteps with our updates, not giving players enough visibility into future content, not properly setting expectations how we play to support Apex Legends. We are 100% committed to the long-term growth of Apex Legends, supporting the millions of players every day. Uh, so today we want to reset our, commu- our commitment to you and give you some insight into what uh, into where we are as a development team and how we're approaching the live service for Apex Legends. And basically saying that uh, that their priority is... Uh, let's see. Uh, their priority is kind of not killing their people. Uh, That's a good say, priority. Yeah, yeah. They say, we know that in addition to addressing issues with the game, everyone is hungry for us to add new content. The studio culture that we've worked hard to cultivate and the health of our team are very important. We take those things into account when we discuss our content roadmap, the production schedule, and the frequency at which we can update the game. Our long-term goal is to ensure Apex Legends always feels alive and thriving, focus on quality of content over novelty or speed of release. At the same time, we want to maintain our culture as a development team and avoid crunch that can quickly lead to burnout or worse. And that's kind of their big thing here is like, we want to get new content out there, but we want to do it without making us feel miserable because that leads to worse content for the players. Yeah. 
And that's uh, a notable goal to have, especially in the wake of a lot of the crunch stories we've had over the last uh, this past week, as well as the last few years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they mentioned things that have been issues of late, like slower server performance at the beginning of a match, which they note as being like an issue with uh, data centers. Mm. How it's some are getting overloaded over compared to others. Audio issues, cheaters that they've been working on, hit registration stuff. We're also working on stuff for the future. Like I know the first battle pass has not been super great for them. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about how like the skins aren't really all that interesting, uh, and the rewards aren't that great. But they talk about you know the beginning of each new season will bring it with uh, bring with it a new battle pass, new legend, something new for the meta, and more. They're gonna have more thoughtful updates throughout the season, so they're not. You know, going to fix uh, the bugs and balance stuff and all that, but also not try to uh, change it so much uh, that you know it completely screws out parts of the audience. Yeah, uh, and just having better communication so that which they've been doing a lot better than other companies of late, like uh, explaining why they're doing certain things uh, so that people understand like where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of an important thing that developers have to be upfront with, uh, to begin with, because just going silent isn't always the best idea. No, uh, it does for people like uh, the No Man's Sky team, where the audience is kind of so vitriolic that you kind of just have to shut up, uh, not dignify it with a response. Yeah, and kind of just listen and try and figure out what what you want to do with it and what the vitriol, what the good parts of the vitriol is, hmm. uh, but not listen to all of it. Cause yeah, uh, people can have weird expectations for games when they come out, especially like multiplayer stuff. Uh, and so you need to know like what you can do, what you think the game can be and not necessarily what the, what the audience wants it to turn into. Yeah. Cause sometimes it can be like, we want this game to be call of duty. It's like, we're not making call of duty. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, you guys need to go to Call of Duty if you want Call of Duty. Like yeah. that. Like being able to acknowledge the uniqueness of your game is an important thing. Not just make your game everything all at once because then it just becomes nothing. Yeah. It's like if you want Call of Duty, you know, Call of Duty probably is the best Call of Duty. Yeah. yeah. If you want Battlefield, Battlefield's probably the best Battlefield. Yeah. You know, if you want Titanfall, Titanfall is probably the best Titanfall. Mm. Uh kind of thing. And uh I like the one thing here, I think, is they mentioned that like plans for future Titanfall stuff has been pushed back a bit so they can focus more on the Apex Legends, mm. uh, which has been getting people angry. Yeah. Because uh, they think it means like there's no more Titanfall ever, but it's like, no, they kind of need to just focus on this in their Star Wars game right now. Yeah, I think they got a lot on their plate right now. <laughs> yeah. There was rumors that they were going to have a Titanfall thing out later this year, and it's like, man, that Star Wars and Apex Legends all at once seems like a little bit too much for... A team that is not super huge. Yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I, I'm really like I'm optimistic about about them doing it, but on the other hand, they're part of EA now, mm, so that in mm. itself will probably introduce some pressures. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think I, I EA's do kind of done a bit better job of late, kind of letting their developers uh, have the space to do what they need to do, let mm. them kind of be. Uh, a little bit of the pushers of their own products, because hmm. that 
uh, led to kind of Bioware being weird. So when they announced the the Dragon Age game, the new one, mm-hmm. apparently EA was the one saying you probably shouldn't do that right now, and Bioware's like, no, we need to do it, and they announced it yeah. despite there being no necessarily guarantee that they can do that anytime soon. Yeah, and so now there's like now you got Dragon Age people like wondering when that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're kind of focused on Anthem right now. Yeah, it's uh, a. Kind of occupying most of their time. Yeah. And should be. Yeah. Yeah, because you got people who just bought it, and they need to have at least some amount of support for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Not have it be like, well, we got that done, and it's not as bad as it was at launch, but we got to do Dragon Age because we announced it. Because we're mm-hmm. idiots. Well, you heard they uh, they actually canceled uh, a couple of their couple of their events recently. For, mm-hmm. uh, for Anthem, so I don't know what that means, but who knows? Yeah. Mm. Hopefully that's just them like trying to consolidate what they're able to work on, mm. instead of trying to spread out too much. Yeah. So I guess we'll uh, we'll keep going. We got some Persona news. Uh, okay. This one's kind of interesting, because I wasn't expecting this kind of game out of Persona, but I can honestly kind of see it working. Mm-hmm. This was a fun story, especially after all the fervor about people finding out. Uh, I think in the site code about a Persona Five S, yeah. like, oh god, it's Persona Five coming to the Switch. <laughs> what nope. is it, Phil? No, it's uh, Persona Five: The Phantom Strikers. It's uh, it's a musu. Uh, it's if you like your Dynasty Warriors hack and slash kind of games, it's that mm. uh, with pers- in a Persona setting. Um, that could kind of work out pretty damn well, actually. I can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is like the big like uh, uh, sucker punch to the people that like the Switch people are like, oh, we need everything on the Switch. Mm. It's like, ah, guess what? Here's what you get. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like a a Muso RPG kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it's also coming to PS4. Uh, I'm not sure when it's coming out. Mm. Next year, I think. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. no, mm. I think it's the Royal. I don't know. Not I think the they're Royal. supposed to be doing some more news for this in the future yeah we'll probably find out then yeah it'd be nice to see more of this but yeah at least you're getting something persona related on the switch so mm-hmm. hey yeah so uh another... if they keep that same style that could be pretty cool yeah yeah so we got yeah persona 5 the royal well that's 2020 uh and that's mm-hmm. coming to the west um yeah okay. ps4 only right now yeah uh yeah they put out a big trailer for it uh Basically confirms that new character we saw is not a new main character. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a new companion, uh, as well as they're adding just a bunch more shit to it, kind of in the mm-hmm. vein of like Golden, uh, Persona Four Golden, uh, yeah. kind of adding a new uh, section of time, a third trimester. Uh, that's what the, where the the main expansion stuff will be taking place. Mm-hmm. New locations to go, new places to shop. Uh, and a bunch more. You can do selfies, I guess, now. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, every yeah, game needs selfies yeah. now, apparently. And new storylines. No, uh, I can think of a couple of characters you control the shit out of doing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, now I'm going to have to play this game again. <laughs> yeah, and that's also kind of the those. other unfortunate part of it is uh, kind of in typical Japanese uh, publisher way, it's not uh, an expansion for the game that you can buy for what you already own, it's a whole new 
yeah. package. Yeah. Well, neither was the Golden or uh, yeah. Persona. Yeah. That was at least has. coming to a new platform. Yeah. Persona Golden was. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that's uh, it's out in Japan on October thirty first, Halloween. Mm. Uh, but in the West and the rest of Asia, uh, it'll be out next year. Mm. So, uh, maybe that'll come with a PS5 version at some point. <laughs> maybe. Cross generation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this one will also actually support PS4 Pro. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Not that the game really needed it, to be honest. No. Mm. No, it but. It just looks fantastic any way you play it. Yeah. Yeah. Their style helps a lot. Yeah. That. All right, cool. Uh, and finally, we'll get to the MK uh, section of the show. Uh, let's see, where do you want to start? Well, I guess we'll go right right into MK11 as a whole. Uh, t- you touched a little bit on the story mode earlier on, Brandon, because uh, so that's probably a good place to start as any. Uh, yeah. So basically, the story this time around is if you play. So if you played the. Uh, the story mode for Mortal Kombat 10, you kind of know how this game's going to begin. Uh, basically, uh, at some point after Shinnok got the crap kicked out of him, uh, Raiden got a hold of Shinnok's amulet, and it basically started turning him to the dark side, for lack <laughs> of a better word. Again. So he's become more ruthless and more uh, aggressive overall. Um and then it's MK Deception, Raiden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, as this is happening, uh, this uh, check named Chronica shows up. Um, and Chronica is basically an elder god, or well, more like an elder god or a titan who is involved and who is control, who basically controls all of time. And so what happens is she's basically pissed off at Raiden because at some point along the timeline, Raiden did something that kind of messed up her plans. And so she has decided to essentially uh, take the past and the future and meld them together. Mm-hmm. So what happens is because Raiden... You want Final is- Fantasy VIII because this is how you get Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> Yeah. So basically, because Raiden is an elder god, is a god, uh, he is a fixed point in time. (laughs) So there can only ever be one Raiden existing at any given point. So what happens is that the corrupted Raiden disappears, and the Raiden from the first, from Mortal Kombat 9, ends up coming in and taking his place. And And immediately wonders what the blue fuck happened. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Also, in the very first chapter, uh, Sonya Blade uh, gets trapped under some rubble and blows herself the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, so she ends up getting replaced by her Mortal Kombat 9 self. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Mortal Kombat 9 Johnny Cage shows up, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean that uh, the other Johnny Cage goes anywhere. No, he's still there. And uh, he is really annoyed by his old self. Hilarity yeah. ensues. <laughs> yeah. And but, awesome character development. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we find out what happened to Jax. Um, basically, Jax is dealing with some serious PTSD. Mm-hmm. After, yeah, that got dark. Oh, yeah. oh yes, it did. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, Baraka is back. 
you know, you can actually pet, play Baraka in this game, uh, unlike with 10. Hmm. Um, well, he was DLC eventually, wasn't he? No, he wasn't. No. Uh, but there was a Xenomorph Turcatan. Oh, yeah, that's remember. right. Which was weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Baraka is back. Uh, we find out what happened to Goro. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's dead mm-hmm. as fuck. <laughs> and his corpse is still on his throne <laughs> at Shang Tsung's Island. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Uh, well, who was going to go in and try to move him? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, nope. Uh, uh, Frost. Now, there's a character I didn't expect to show up again. Uh, Frost is back. Uh, if you remember, she was basically, I think she died, had her head torn off or something. Mm, something like that. In MK4. Yeah, uh, she's basically Not a her. head on a stick now, mm. uh, but she has a robot body now. Because mm. uh, basically the Lin Kuei have restarted the whole, well, basically Sector has sort of, and Cyrax have restarted the whole Lin Kuei cybernization program. Mm. Well, man, um, did Sector get a promotion out of the whole reboot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Um, let's see, fuck, what else? Uh, obviously the old, like, NetherRealm Revenant versions of the characters from Ten are there, and, uh, also their old selves show up again as well. Yeah. Also wondering what the blue fuck happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, pre, uh, pre-death Scorpion, uh, should probably point that out is in there. That yeah. was more like post-death Scorpion. Well, yeah, old Scorpion, in other words, is there. Old man Scor- the guy who raised Takeda. Yeah, he's there. Uh, Hanzo Asashi, who was, you know, pre-death Scorpion, is also there. Um, Sub-Zero, of course, is still there. Um, a couple of iterations of him, actually. Yeah, a couple of iterations. Um, also, uh, apparently there are female Tarkatans, which... Yep. And boy, can they yell. Yes, they can. Um, <laughs> and I am actually surprised that that is actually a thing because, well, fuck, look at them. I thought they reproduced asexually. <laughs> nope. So I thought they were like the orcs from Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, that's uh, that's nightmare fuel now. Uh, yeah. Did not need to know that. Yeah, this okay. is going to take Rule 34 to frightening. Bad yeah, nightmare waifus are a thing, but... Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, also, there is Cetrion, who is another Elder God. She is like the Earth Goddess, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, Shinnok's opposite. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Cetrion, uh, I mean, not Cetrion, but Chronica herself, uh, is the final boss. She basically is like Shang Tsung in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, in that she is not playable. No. But Thank she God. does have her own finishing move. Yep. And it basically goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps going and going. Um, that's pretty much the most I can get without spoiling anything. Yeah, I um, think we've already spoiled a few things. <laughs> well, we spoiled some stuff, but it's early enough in the game. But let's be honest, none of us. It, yeah. It's not something you could have kept. Yeah, some of it yeah. is in trailers anyway. So yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, also, uh, yeah, um, Ronda Rousey is, uh, voice for Sonya Blade this time around. And about she's, 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, she's adequate, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, one of the things about characters, if, I don't know if it's because of the way the trailers portrayed him or whatever, but uh, the female models are a lot more feminine in game than I guess what the older materials seem to suggest they were. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Shiva's back, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, she, her and pretty much all the rest of, uh, she's her, pissed. Oh yeah. She's very angry because <laughs> they kind of sort of killed, uh, her husband, I guess, yeah. or brother or however she was related to Goro. Yeah. Um, well, also they, Shiva, so so. yeah, she's, she's queen of them now of yep. the, sh- of the Shokans, yeah. I guess is what Shokan, they're called. Yeah. Shokan. Uh, also, all the Shokan kind of look like uh, four-armed versions of WoW Works, mm. which, I mean, okay, I can dig it. Yeah, but, interesting look. It works. Yeah. She isn't wearing a body thong anymore, so Thank God. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> so, um, that's that. Yeah, there. that's pretty much the story mode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no minigame shit or quick See, time. Um, going into this show, I thought there was just the one ending, and so... No, there are four endings, mm. depending on how your fight with Chronica goes. Yeah. And okay. that's one thing that I am appreciating, though, is that there aren't any <coughs> QTEs. Uh, I really disliked that in MK10. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but, I mean, the way... I mean, let's be honest, though, the way that the uh, the game's plot is with the whole time thing... Mm. Uh, the idea of there being more than one ending is just kind of. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, makes it makes sense. sense. The, the ending I saw was a would have been a perfectly satisfactory ending to the entire franchise, if need be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only one. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, uh, hopefully, well, there's a guide out there that explains that part of it, at least. Yeah. Uh, so, apart from. I know story- I'll be going to YouTube after the show. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the story mode, there's uh, a suite of other modes available. Mm-hmm. Um, you got your classic towers, which is basically, you know, just regular regular towers. Regular-ass Mortal Kombat, basically. Yeah. Pick a difficulty, go up the tower, and then fight Kronika and, and win. Yeah, um, and then get a ending that is... Well, basically, because the whole point is if you defeat Kronika, you get her time crown. and. Yep. Uh, basically every character gets the time crown and that depends on what their ending is. Yeah. Some of them are hilarious. Some of them are tragic. I mean, God damn, Jackie Briggs ones. Is... Yeah. She just went all out. Oh yeah. She's hardcore. Yeah. Um, and of course you got cabals, which is basically the Deadpool ending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and perfectly sensible for his character. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have Jax's ending, which is nothing like what you think it is if you've seen it on the internet. No, there, there's no, there's no mention of Black Power. There's no mention of White Genocide. Uh, let's see nothing. That it's not Wakanda. No, it's not Wakanda. It kind of is. Well, it kind of is. But then again, Wakanda is awesome. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, in the end, it's like you know, Jax is just trying to. Make a make a better future for everybody by focusing yeah. on one particular aspect, and he doesn't get it right the first time, as he admits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so or maybe know. even the first several times he put effort into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he goes back, goes yeah. back, changes the thing, comes back, swears loudly, goes yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
By the way, just to say, you know, uh, you know that whole go woke, get get woke, go broke bullshit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not true anymore. Yeah, this has, game is making bank. And... It has no bearing any time it's applied. Yeah. yeah. I, I also love that he, like, uh, that in the in Jax's ending, he, like, specifically shits on that. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think his precise words were, I'm not going to wait centuries for people to get woke. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, so there's, and just in that, you know, that one statement mm-hmm. is a lot more profound than a lot of people, a lot of people will give it credit for. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's the Jack's ending. Uh, it caused a lot of stir. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely a spoiler. Uh, so sorry about that. And probably sold more games, to be yeah. honest. But uh, yeah, it's it's great. Uh, some bunch more endings that I need to get through. I got Cassie's mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, yeah, Cassie's was actually pretty nice. Yeah, um, uh, kind of along the same lines as Jax's, but more f- family tied. Yeah, I got Frost last night. Mm. Um, ooh, that bitch is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, then there's the, uh, what else, the Towers of Time, which is where most of the grind is, let's yeah. be honest. Uh, and, uh, let's be, and Netherrealm themselves have like, look, we're, you know, we're gonna yeah. start, do some work on this, cause, uh, it didn't exactly, uh, come out the way we kinda wanted it to. And um, straight up said that a, a hotfix is coming in. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, um... Now they're in crunch mode, fixing the mess that they made in the first place. With the, uh, yeah, guys, uh, seriously, just like get it together. Yeah. Um. What else was there? Well, the crypt. We kind of talked a little bit about. Yeah. Um, so in the crypt, basically, um, it's basically uh, it's essentially a third person type of deal. Um. Whereas I put it in. Mortal Kombat 10, the crit was uh, first person, right? Yeah, it was a first person kind of grid based. With jump scares, god yeah. damn it. Yeah, which you could eventually um, turn off, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so basically the crypt is uh, the ruins of Shang Tsung's island. Yeah. Um, and it's got. Like, a- which I'll say, it's like uh, the, uh, the location of the first Mortal Kombat tournament. Yeah, uh, and all of the locations are there for you to find. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, the if you remember, the very first Mortal Kombat game, the very first stage is, you know, the arena with all those monks in the background and Shang Tsung on his throne. Uh, it's there. Yeah. And uh, yep. so are the monks. They're not alive anymore, but they're still they're there. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they, they, they're, they're found useful by a certain party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's also the shrine from the first game is mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Uh, Goro's lair is there. The pit, pit is there. Mm. And uh, those two fuckers from Mortal Kombat 2 are still fighting in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, you unfortunately, you can't really do much at the pit right now because it's still closed off. Yeah. Um. There's probably going to be some other locations you can get to eventually. Um. There's a forge uh, where you can take collectibles and all that, and you know, and consumables and forge new shit with them. Um, there's the place where you can pay tribute to the gods by giving them 
thousand something coins and getting random items out of it. Yep. Um, and then, of course, there's the chests everywhere that you use to get your. They're basically loot boxes. Yeah. Um, there are, and as like the actual game, um, you know, one of the first things you can pick up is uh, Shao Kahn's hammer, mm. which you can then go around to basically break everything. Yeah. Um, break jars, skeletons to get extra coins. Granted, it's not a whole lot. It's usually like maybe two or three. Yeah. Um, then eventually you can get a hold of a um, scorpion spear chain. Um, and that one's fun because that's how you can collect extra hearts. <laughs> uh, because you'll go around and there will be corpses, you know, hanging from nooses or impaled or whatever. Some of them still alive, mm. by the way. Just strangling forever. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, eventually you can get, uh, what's his name, Takeshi? Yeah. Or uh, get his, yeah, his blindfold. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the jump scares come in, because every so often, depending on what location you are at any given time, uh, you put that on, and there will be the, uh, Crypt Beast show up to tear your head off. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if there's much of a consequence of that happening, other than freaking there isn't. the fuck out. It's just, yeah. <laughs> It, there isn't really. It's yeah. just he shows up and it's like you shit your pants and yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of wish I'd stop doing that. Yeah, it's a cop out. Yeah, but um, yeah, but that lets you like see uh hidden areas you can get into. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much the crypt for now. Hmm. Um, I've pretty much explored. I think as far as I can get for the moment. Yeah. Um. They definitely have areas that are kind of sort of blocked off right now um, mm. that I guess they're going to be putting in it with a future version. Yeah. Uh, but that's pretty much the crypt. Okay. Uh, loot boxes still suck. Yeah. And, um, and they're still you can't actually like, go back and reboot the whole goddamn thing. Mm. Yeah. But I think they'll sell you a pack to open everything if you want it. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, it's kind of jumping ahead, but we may as well because we kind of we're trying to avoid talking about the monetization as long as possible. But I don't think there's much way where we can really. Uh, this I don't game, think we know where the chips are going to fall either. No, but this game is just chock full of it. Uh, there's all of the stuff that you earn. Like, okay, yeah. that's fine. You got several different types of currencies. You got gold. You got time crystals. You got hearts. Uh, some of that you use for crafting, some of it you use for unlocking chests. Uh, but you, you'll also, there's a premium store where you could buy tokens and other stuff like that and time crystals and all that good junk. Uh, you know, skip fight tokens, uh, easy fatality tokens, those are still a thing. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, that's, um, I, no, they, they don't really need to do that, but. I don't know why you need, the easy fatalities. That should just be an accessibility thing. Should. You shouldn't have to because the fucking fatalities are easy as fuck to pull off anyway. And they're a lot and easier. And it's not pay this. to win because if you're doing a won. fatality, you've already won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not really thrilled with that. Uh, I guess you know, there, there's the the gear 
stuff that we can uh, kind of touch on a little bit, which is uh, mm-hmm. basically character customizations. Some of it does have uh, effects, but only in the single player modes. Yeah, if you remember the uh, stuff from Injustice Two, yeah, that's still there. pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, okay. That's that stuff is not you know particularly too egregious to me. Uh, mm-hmm. It you know it does make it interesting to. Uh, it's like there, there's. It doesn't really like wreck online play. I find because they don't like you'll see what the character customizations are, but they don't have any physical effect. So that's that's nice. Uh, <clears throat> but beyond, but if you're playing in the single player uh, modes, then they do. Um, what else? Uh, was it, there was one other thing that kind of annoyed me, but I can't remember what it was. It. Oh yeah, the the stupid requirements uh, for uh, Towers of Time. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, in in particular, like when you'll be facing off against some of the uh, some of the opponents, and the uh, handicap <coughs> only apply to you. Thanks, mm-hmm. guys. I, I guess it, I guess you know. Thanks. I, I hate it. Yeah, yeah. There's that one Baraka fight. I think that's one of the ones that they're fixing, like <laughs> very very soon. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one's a bitch. Yeah, that one's just complete bullshit. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that's the monetization. It sucks. Uh, it it's cost people a lot of time and a lot of uh, effort in developing all of that crap that we didn't really need to begin with. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, Warner Brothers. I was about to say thanks, Obama, but that's uh, <laughs> had nothing to do with this. No. So, anyway. Uh, so we'll move back to the characters. Uh, very solid roster. Yeah, um, and actually not a whole, pretty, not really a whole lot of new ones this time around either. Oh, there's a small handful. Well, there's, I uh, mean, there's, there's Gyrus, uh, Gyrus, there's Cetrion, Cetrion, and Chronica. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Um, granted, they didn't really need to add any new ones because they had a large enough, you know, uh, group from the last two games they kind of really didn't yeah. need any but they did they gave us and they're pretty good yeah. um they didn't even use all the characters they introduced last time around oh i'm sure some which of kind of surprised be me because well they're uh, probably going to be dlc hmm. you know you mean you're that. talking to like kung jin and yeah those guys yeah they'll takeda. probably be dlc yeah well takeda is kind of sort of dead hmm. but well, that doesn't really matter that, at this time. Yeah, <laughs> in this now. game, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> in fact, um, I, I think that might be why, kind of why they went ham with the character deaths, because by the end, none of it matters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure Melina is probably going to show up at yep. some point. Um, even though, you know, Devora kind of sort of totally gave her the kiss of death, for lack of a better word. Yeah, um, but again, yeah, she, it doesn't matter. She didn't need a doctor by the end. She needed an exterminator. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, and Devora is back in this game, too. And mm-hmm. she is... She's just as creepy Devorah. as she ever was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, uh, obviously, you got some of the classics. You got Liu Kang, Kung Lao, uh, Shao Kahn. Is back because let's face it, he will never fucking die. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of okay with what they did with him. Uh, he's like mm-hmm. actually yeah. playable. And, yeah. and 
the story mode scene that he was involved in was epic. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, there was Collector. Yeah. Um, Collector, I'm... Who I'm still not sure had what to do with anything. Uh, Collector was basically the guy who was Shao Kahn's tax collector. He basically went out and extorted money from people. Yeah. Um... That's a thing, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. Jade, Katana, they're both back. Both their uh, Revenant versions and their original versions. Um... See, obviously, you know Cassie Cage, Jackie Briggs, uh, all the classics are back. Kano is back, both his older version and his younger Mortal Kombat three version. Mm-hmm. Those interactions are great. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yes, Johnny Cage, both his older and younger self. Um, and. You know, remember that, you know, this Johnny Cage is like something 20 years older than his younger version. Yep. Yeah. So he's done a lot of growing up from there. And uh, he's kind of surprised at how much of a dick he used to be. <laughs> um, Sonya, both her older and newer versions. Um, and, uh, you know, her... Again, like I said, despite what the previews may show, her in-game model is more feminine-looking than the older one. Um, also, let's see, uh, Scarlet. Scarlet is back. Um, of course, <laughs> yeah, she's pretty much she, the first time she's been playable since Mortal Kombat Nine, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, she sat out ten. Yeah, um, Noob Cybot is back. Uh, not Ermac. Ermac is still nowhere to be seen. Yeah, DLC in the crypt. Both Sector and Cyrax. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, I know Shang Tsung is supposed to be. He's the first DLC. Yeah, uh, he's going to show up at some point. Um, I guess Shiva's going to be playable at some point since you know her in-game model is in there. Yeah. Um. A solid roster overall. Yeah, it's a really yeah. solid roster. Yeah. Uh, they kind of went out of the way with the fatalities this time. Um, yeah. Because they had to find a way to one-up Mortal Kombat 10, and let's be honest, that was pretty hard to do. <laughs> it was a tough act to follow. Yeah, and they still managed to do it somehow. Yeah. yeah apparently, so I, every fatality begins with Ed Boon drawing stick figure cartoons on a whiteboard. <laughs> Yeah, because apparently those are the collectibles you can get in the crypt, are those storyboards for the fatalities. Yeah. Um, It makes me wonder what ones didn't make the cut. Like, I would just like to see the years of history of this. Well, you know, every character has, like, two fatalities, so unfortunately you have to unlock the second one. Yeah, which was the case for MK10 as well, but... Mm -hmm. So. Well, no, I just mean over the years, like how many Oh, movies, I'm pretty sure there are... How, how much things. scribbling has he done on a whiteboard that just never turned into anything? Yeah. Um, actually, I will argue that the fatalities this time around, even though they're extremely gruesome, are actually a little bit more, just a slightly tinge more lighthearted yeah. than Mortal Kombat 10s, because Mortal Kombat 10s were just morbid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, tens were morbid. That's this fair. one here, I, I kind of get a Mortal Kombat two vibe. 
Yes, yeah. They're, yeah. yes, they're grim, but there's a little bit of tongue in cheek in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Johnny Cage's one is pretty much the ver- the obvious one. Mm. But like, you know, Frost, for example, her fatality ice sculpture, mm-hmm. where uh, she basically shoves uh, her frost core into your body, and it blows up and freezes you in mid blast. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely you know the kind of stuff we used to see in MK2, but now it's just a lot more, <laughs> a lot more yeah. vivid. Or you know, Cetrions, where she grows like into god size and then breathes on you, and yeah, <laughs> that's all it takes. Yeah, mm-hmm. you die. Yeah. Uh, I also good. liked how um, Liu Kang's fatal blow. Mm-hmm. Was a callback to one of his MK2 fatalities. Oh yeah, the dragon. Yeah. Yep. That, that was pretty awesome. Um, well, I mean, the Mortal Kombat two and Mortal Kombat three because yeah. yeah, you had the same thing, and yeah, mm-hmm. although it was an animality that time, but yeah, Kotal Khan, Kotal Khan's back, mm-hmm. and his I I actually prefer his move list this time because it yeah he came out a lot better this time yeah it makes more use of his uh his aztec sword Mm. which is basically a giant saw (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it also seems a more effective grappler yeah yeah, um just overall a lot of it is better yeah basically the entire game is better in every way Mm. particularly gameplay because uh yeah, it's the the gameplay system is pretty much what you'd expect from MK10. If you played that, it's very similar. Uh, it's just polished. Uh, yeah, to a much higher level, I would say. Yeah. Um, what was it like gameplay wise, as far as the actual fighting goes, that they added this time around? Because I know they. Well, they split the uh, the the meters were split in between defense and offense this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do, uh, well, breakaways and stuff from, uh, that, uh, your, well, fatal blow is now tied to your health instead of uh, yeah. being tied to having a full, uh, offense meter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and you can only do it once per match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you miss. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Which I thought was a bit of a weird decision, but. Yeah. Well, if you miss, it's on a cooldown, so... Yeah, it's uh, very Ed Boon, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's that. Um, I think the the juggle game is definitely there. Uh, I think okay. the uh, the entire tutorial section they put in, uh, mm-hmm. where they go out of their way to explain stuff like uh, frame data, frame traps, and all that stuff that you, might, you will want to know uh, if you're going to be playing this game at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Having that all there is uh, uh, very helpful. Yeah, uh, it's like okay, it kind of generalizes it when in the tutorial to start with, uh, mm-hmm. but you know it presents all that data in the moves list. So yeah, yeah. And if you don't want to go that deep, it lets you go ahead and start the game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's yeah. much more. The game is, I think, a lot more. Uh, accessible to newcomers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They thought of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are certain parts of the fighting game community who don't like that because they're assholes. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else can we talk, t- touch on there? 
Uh, yeah, uh, I would recommend going through the tutorial though, because you will get yeah. some unlocks from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the the in particular, uh, you'll get the uh, Shokan announcer if you go through the whole tutorial. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Speaking of unlocking, before we move on, um, you don't actually have to buy Frost. Uh, Frost is unlocked after you finish the story mode. You know, you they don't tell you that, mode. but <laughs> you just have to get past her section in the story and you get her. Yeah. yeah, that's a very um, Arc System Works kind of move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just uh, it, I guess <laughs> I wonder how many people they caught trying having to purchase her because uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure some people will see that square on the uh, select screen and say, "Oh, purchase," and then they go, oh, "Well, well, okay, I'll get get her." Mm. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. Dope. Yeah, mm. I, I like unlocks and stuff like that. I don't yeah. know why, except when you have to, <laughs> yeah, just pay for it. Not, not, not the problem with that. Yeah. Uh, so, in a nutshell, uh, MK11 is great. Uh, we hate the monetization, and we're still it'll get better. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what DLC characters do you guys uh, figure we're going to see? We know we already know about Shanks. It's been data mining. Uh, you know, Shang Tsung, Shiva is probably coming since you know she's in. The game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not. Again, I would not be surprised if Melina makes a comeback. Mm. Um, uh, it, it's been data mined already. I, I don't have the complete list in front of me. Okay. Um, I do know who the two guest characters are. Uh, you've got Joker and Ash Williams mm-hmm. coming in. Yeah. Uh, I cannot remember for the life of me who the other. Um. Like who the other main MK characters are, but um, see, uh, I guess Reptile will probably show up at some point. Mm, could be. Pretty much, I, I, I guess. I don't think he was on the list. Oh, he wasn't. Okay. Um, probably some more of the ninja characters at some point, like Smoke. Smoke yeah. might have been on that list. Yeah. Um. Uh, which well, I'm going to look for this thing. with though, cyber smoke or human smoke. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a toss-up. <laughs> Technically, you could do both. Um, yeah, with the. You think they're going to start doing like skins for each? Like, you get human smoke, or you have to get cyborg smoke, like sort of thing, mm-hmm. like sell them separately. No, oh, okay, there were more guest characters. Or do you think you have to get them all in one package? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are we maybe going to see some more characters from Deception? Uh, not from what I'm seeing. So you were right about Shiva. She's on the list. Well, yeah, I pretty much guessed that one. Um, so right now we've got nine named DLC characters, obviously split between the first combat pack and probably some off the second. So we got Shang Tsung, Mm -hmm. Joker, Nightwolf. Yeah. Terminator. Yeah. I was expecting that one. Sindel. Oh, yeah, that one. Spawn. What was that? Ash, Spawn. Okay. Spawn. Okay. Ash Williams. Mm-hmm. Fujin and Shiva. Fujin. Okay, Fujin is, yeah, he started in Mortal Kombat 4. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, all righty then. <clears throat> That's the ones we can pretty much say in name for right now, but they're supposed to be like... Up, up to nineteen, as far as we yep, can. There are nineteen placeholders. Yeah, um, yeah, which would probably put it at about a three combat packs, which mm-hmm. 
Oi. Yeah. Oi. You know, given the value that goes into those, I would pay. Mm-hmm. So. See, I so they're going to have the Joker. I'm guessing it's going to be like... Well, they're going to have him from Injustice 2 already. Yeah, um, but, you know, this is Mortal Kombat we're talking about. Mm. So it's got to be an especially fucked up Joker. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll uh, get our last two stories and we'll wrap this up for the week uh, so mm-hmm. I can go play Mortal Kombat again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Digital Foundry did what they did, uh, went through all of the versions, uh, oddly except for the PC version, but I mm-hmm. guess that's expected because uh, the PC version is probably going to be the version, variable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, variable. Uh, and they found that the Switch port is really fucking good. Yeah. Uh, so if you the, Just play, the wizardry that... Um, that went into that port. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you want to play it on the Switch uh, in handheld mode, if you want to play your Mortal Kombat on the go, first of all, um, ouch. Uh, yeah. Suck with Joy Cons. Oh, uh, yes. I would recommend yes, buying is. a Switch fix. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, yeah. So there's that. Uh, the other consoles, well, it's about what you'd expect. Base PS4 runs pretty well. PS4 Pro looks better, runs great. Xbox One X, uh, of all of them, probably looks the best because it's getting closest to 4K. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it's a solid port overall. Very little compromises between the versions. Um, you know, not so much as you'd notice them, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh yeah solid versions overall. It's it's usually like when whenever you see these cross-platform uh versions, there's always one that you'd have to like avoid. Uh, usually it's the original Xbox One, but even there, uh, it's you're gonna get a good Mortal Kombat 11 experience regardless of what platform you buy it on. They did work. Yep. On this, so hats off to another realm for that one. Uh, and finally, uh, the Mortal Kombat 11. 11, no. The Mortal Kombat 2 uh, arcade one-up cabinet uh, kind of shipped early. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, these are now in stores. They were supposed to be uh, out in May. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you go to your local Walmart, Surprise. you can find mm-hmm. them. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, they're pretty good little cabinets for, I think they're yeah. about 350 now. Do you guys remember uh, the first time you encountered that game? Me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you were like kids, because yeah. oh man, I was like eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a little older when I saw, when I first saw it, but it was uh, at a a video store. Uh, does anybody remember yeah. video stores where you used yes, to go I do. and rent like video, VHS tapes? Yeah, and then eventually you could rent NES games. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and you um, made all your decisions based on what had the best box art. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> and then you Probably got home rented, and were I think disappointed. I wanted a Mario game and I was like, Mario's missing. That's Mario. Okay. Ooh. Uh, I was mad that it was not Mario. That's like the oatmeal raisin cookie of Mario games. Yeah. yeah. It was like that. And like, that's how I rented Super Mario RPG. I was like, this isn't Mario. What the hell? This doesn't even look like Mario. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's but, before uh, I knew what. Because you got. See, I encounter Mortal Kombat 2. First time in a bowling alley. Hmm. It was uh, making bowl right here. I was there at a birthday party hmm. as uh, I was invited. Um, 
And the making bowl was like a very common place for kids' birthday parties back in the day because not only did you have the bowling, but of course, like all bowling alleys, you had the uh, not un- unsizable uh, arcade section. And yes. there was a bunch of people crowding around this one machine. And I remember looking on the side, I was like, hey, I recognize that guy. And holy shit! <laughs> what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Like, the first time I saw Johnny Cage legit rip the dude's torso off of the other guy, I was like, Mm. I was stunned into silence. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then as you learn, like, uh, about, about, like, stuff like physics, uh, you realize that that wouldn't work. Yeah. At all. (laughs) So, yeah. And then, like, it just becomes funnier because of that. (laughs) Yep. It's like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, RK1 up cabinet. Uh, this includes MK1, MK2, and Ultimate 3 uh, in yeah. the same cabinet. Uh, if I had the cash, I'd be very tempted to pick this one up. Uh, mm-hmm. As I've heard, the uh, the Series 2 arcade one-ups are considerably better. In particular, uh, they improve the joysticks immensely. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, say, uh, it's like a couple of people have been saying we're not entirely, I don't think these are Sanwas, but they really feel close. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's, that is a world away from the junk I used at Evo. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a big, you know, arcade one-up modding community now. Um, yes. You kind of would expect, uh, for that. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it uh i guess we're gonna wrap it up here for uh, the week um next week we'll see what else we have to talk about uh i'm sure the industry will provide yes uh in the meantime especially this time of year yeah yeah so uh in the meantime i'd like to remind everybody to uh check us out at smashpad.com and if you haven't subscribed to the show you can do so at uh google play tune in apple podcast or your favorite podcast aggregator uh, so for uh, Patrick Mifflin, Brian Perkins, and Chris Sologi, we'll see you next week. <laughs>